Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey friends and neighbors, you're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 30, Locusts of Control. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Why am I making sleeping so complicated? Can't you just take a pill? use this tech, this one quick thing? Why so many rules and practice and all this talk about habits? Can't it be quicker? Isn't there a shortcut? In this week's episode, I'll defend my position for not promoting every little gadget, gizmo, and gimmick to make you sleep. One of the main reasons? Because not only are the empty promises more disappointing than the prescription medicines discussed in episode 25, but they rob you of your agency of your ability to take center stage in your own life as the one in control. While we can certainly address some more specific questions in upcoming episodes, there is a legitimate reason why you don't hear me discussing the latest tech gadget, app, device, pillow, weighted blanket, or whatever to make you sleep. It's not that none of them work, even though the ones that quote-unquote work are entirely unimpressive, but it has everything to do with power. I'm not talking about electricity sources. I'm talking about this notion of the locus of control. You see, sleep is a biological process, like digestion. It's gonna happen. You don't have the option of not sleeping. You can delay sleep for sure, by a multitude of behavioral and cognitively arousing activities, but in the end, it is unavoidable. Either sleep or die. So much of what we do in the management of insomnia is the removal of roadblocks getting in the way of normal, natural sleep. Because without interference, it will happen. It is internal. It is inherent, part of the package you inherit as an earthly creature. The power to sleep, the biological necessity, is internal, is part and parcel of the estate you've inherited as a human being. It is your responsibility and yours alone, just like your feet or fingernails, or your digestion. A major cause of suffering is when we don't realize or intentionally relinquish responsibility for ourselves and our well-being, something intrinsic to ourselves, that we give up all hope and responsibility and place it instead onto some outside force. I can never be happy unless he apologizes. I can never be at peace until that new Lexus is in the driveway. I can never be free of anxiety unless all the toys are picked up off the floor. I won't be free to think as an American until teaching evolution is taken out of the schools. What this attitude does, and it most often is an attitude, not a fact of reality, this attitude disempowers individuals. 
it removes not just a sense of obligation to myself and to my life, but with it also removes a sense of control. And if you're unfamiliar with anxiety, this is a state of fear from not being in control, from that uncertainty. I am powerless when it comes to my own happiness because I've given that power to someone else who may or may not apologize like I want. I am powerless to experience any sense of peace because I have passed the buck to a material possession that I desire but do not have. I am powerless to confront anxious thought because I've handed over that responsibility to a tidy environment ever out of reach thanks to messy, ungrateful rascals. I am powerless to enjoy freedom of thought because I've given the reins to school boards making curriculum decisions in faraway places. My criticism here is not to say that forces in your life, like our relationships, your physical environment, your basic material needs being met, or the social political environment, that they don't matter. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that to give up all sense of responsibility is foolish. And to then complain about the results not going the way you want after refusing responsibility is absurd and childish. You don't get to give away your favorite sweater because you don't want to hand wash or to use the gentle cycle and then get mad when your friend cuts it up to make part of her new quilt. Furthermore, the greater the degree of disempowerment, the more that people have the sense that they lack control over their lives, the greater the suffering. The greater the depression, the greater the anxiety, the worse the quality of life. And it's one thing to have housing insecurity or food or water insecurity, things already out of your complete control, but that you ought to have some influence over. But it's quite another to yield control over your own biology, to give up on yourself, to place all the weight and responsibility of your function on some outside thing, to just throw up your hands in regards to natural processes in your body. Now, certainly there's a lot about our physical bodies that we can't control, like whether you inherit a genetic disease or genetic predisposition for a disease, but most physical conditions have modifiable risk factors that individuals can take responsibility for. But to place the responsibility for your sleep, something that will happen to you whether you want it to or not, a biological imperative, to put your hope and conviction for a night of rest on some outside force is not just entirely unnecessary, but disempowering as well. And I'm not talking about something like a CPAP device, a medical intervention for a medical problem, like insulin for a diabetic. I am most frustrated by people that, rather than looking into the nature of their suffering, the history, external and internal actions that facilitate or interfere with their sleep, instead of looking at how I as an individual, as an individual with a sense of agency in my own life, instead place all that responsibility on some thing outside of me. I can't sleep. So I'll rely instead on this device. I'm waking up too much, so I'll rely instead on this techno mattress snoozomatic 3000. I have trouble staying asleep, so instead I'll make an app playing sleep sounds be responsible for my ability to sleep. I can't seem to wake up in the morning feeling rested, so instead I'll put this supplement in charge of my rest and wake. I suffer, and rather than understand the nature of my suffering and understand what I can do to alleviate my suffering, I renounce responsibility. I cede responsibility instead to some outside force, thing, person, condition, either its absence, such as I can only be happy if I get X, or its presence, like now that X has been met, I can finally be happy. This is known as an external locus of control. The onus, the responsibility to sleep, has been displaced out of one's own sphere of influence and onto some non-self entity. 
Not only does an external locus of control lead to more blaming and deferring responsibility for a lot of things, a great way to not make friends and influence people, but feeling like you have no control over your fate is the primary ingredient in the dish of anxiety. Individuals with a sense of external locus of control are more prone to clinical depression, and they tend to feel stressed overall, more so than others. Individuals with an external locus of control tend to have worse physical health, worse mental health, worse quality of life across a range of conditions, from diabetes to headaches to weight control. Of course, suffering sleep difficulty, a strong motivation to seek outside control over your suffering, sleep trouble also independently worsens stress, depression, anxiety, physical health, and quality of life. So difficulties with your sleep plus handing over accountability of your sleep to something else will only compound these undesirable outcomes. Now, I am absolutely not against asking for help. Clearly, I am answering the cry for help that none of you asked me personally, but here I am anyway. I am not against using recommended therapeutic interventions that have passed the muster of vigorous investigation of safety and efficacy with a clear supported mechanism of action that aligns with the known pathology of a problem. I'm not suggesting at all that you go about this on your own. I'm not suggesting that there is no utility in taking advantage of anything outside your own person. But I do have some beef. I have beef with one's betrayal of an inevitable biological imperative shirking responsibility for it, and instead pinning one's hope on some thing with shaky at best evidence, potential harm or other risk, and typically a financial cost, all the while reinforcing the notion that you can't sleep, that you are a bad sleeper, and that the only way you can ever sleep is by the power you vested in this tincture, or supplement, or device, or app, or everything except the only thing responsible for your sleep, which is you. Because not only does that kind of false hope not work in the way that you hoped, leaving you disappointed, bitter, still struggling, but now even further disempowered, further weakened in your confidence that you could ever get this under control, because if that didn't work, what possibly could? More resigned. More self-identified now as a bad sleeper. I can't tell you how often people come into my office and tell me what a bad sleeper they are. Or that ever since they were kids, their mother told them what a bad sleeper they were and still are. That crushes me. That someone could possibly feel that way about themselves, internalize this idea of being bad, possibly even from the ones closest to them, the ones meant to lift them up in life and cherish them unconditionally. Bad sleeper. It's like calling somebody a bad breather, or a bad blinker, or a bad sneezer. You have to breathe or you will die. You don't get a choice. You can manipulate your breath, hold it, breathe faster or slower for a moment, but I guarantee that 99.99999% of every breath you've ever taken in your life has just happened. No thought, no intention, no effort, no external device or magical potion or supplement needed. It just happened. And you can hold your eyelids open for a while, but inevitably they will close. You don't have a choice. You might look foolish when you sneeze or make a mouse noise, or a giant moose noise when you sneeze, but it's not something that you have a choice over. You can't help but sneeze. You can't judge yourself for these biological facts of reality. And same for your sleep. Perhaps you frequently suffer bad nights of sleep, but that doesn't make you a bad sleeper. You wouldn't call a basketball all-star with a sprain a bad ankler. 
And identifying yourself in this way, not only does that reinforce the notion that at your core, you are bad, but also robs you of a chance to sleep well, since it's just part of who you are. You're a bad sleeper. It's heartbreaking. It's disempowering. And it's untrue. It sends the message that you are fundamentally broken. And that couldn't be further from the truth. How often do you think a sloth has insomnia? Have you heard of all the lions that are terrible sleepers? And those NIH-funded fruit flies, the target of Sarah Palin's ire, how many of them naturally suffer insomnia? Sleep is natural. It is an essential feature of all living things. Sleep, or something like it, in the form of rest and activity cycles, these circadian rhythms I keep babbling on about, it is found in everything. Single-cell organisms, plants, insects, reptiles, birds, small mammals, big mammals, and yes, human beings. Being alive takes work. It's exhausting. For everything. So one of the main functions of sleep, why it's been so exquisitely retained in every branch of the tree of life, is that it provides rest, restoration, repair. If you were powered by the sun, such as a photosynthesizing plant, it would make sense for you to direct more resources during that opportunity when you have access to the sunlight. And in the off hours when it's dark, why waste metabolic and cellular activity resources? Instead, take a botanical snooze. And when the sun comes back out, get back to work. Sleep is a natural, inescapable part of being alive. No elephant has ever needed a supplement to fall asleep. No toucan has ever needed a weighted blanket to doze. No hyena has ever needed that just right mattress to catch some Z's. You've heard me talk ever since episodes 1 and 2 that there are many factors that can influence sleep and contribute to a rough night. But for the 50% of adults who often complain of insomnia, or the 70% who have suffered sleep difficulties since the pandemic started, for most people unsatisfied with their sleep, the solution lies not in some Silicon Valley tech or Nature Valley elixir. The locus of control for your sleep is not external. Recognizing your internal locus of control for your sleep will set you free. So to summarize, you are in control of your life. You control your judgments and actions. Your fundamental biology, your birthright as a human being, has equipped you with the hardware and software for automatic sleeping. It is now and always has been within your power to sleep. It's an inescapable part of being alive. You can dodge it for sure but never fully escape the clutches of this biological imperative. So, much of what is done that effectively alleviates sleep difficulty is not adding external sources of control and power, but reinforcing your own internal locus of control, your own power over your own life, by stripping away all the impediments that modern life has thrown in the way of your natural birthright of sleep. It is your life. You have the agency. You don't need the latest app, pill, device, gimmick to sleep. The locus of control of your sleep is already within you. Stop fighting it and accept it. You are no more special than baboons and fruit flies in this regard. You are just as earthly as the rest of us, and just as powerful when it comes to taking control of your sleep. I've created a little handout for you, so if you head over to wellrestedmd.com day, you can get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including some specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's wellrestedmd.com slash D-A-Y. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave us a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.